Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. But speaking of youth, this past month I preached a series to our youth called The Ops. Can somebody say The Ops? I preached this this past month. And what I want to do this morning is I want to preach it to you, but rather than breaking it into three different 10-minute bite-sized messages, I want to give you the whole enchilada this morning. So I hope you came ready and hungry to feast today. Come on, anybody hungry and ready for the word today? Uh, What does the word op or ops mean, you may ask? Well, over the past several years, ops or op has become one of the most popular words used within music, specifically within hip-hop and rappers today. And op is simply short for opposition. Can somebody say opposition? In fact, I have the definition on the screen right here. Ops means opposition, opponent, or enemies. This is what we got to do to get to the youth's level, y'all. So ops means opposition, opponent, or enemies. And I was actually inspired, and this kind of sparked the series whenever I was on social media and I saw something trending online where a new song was released and people were freaking out over the verses and bars and the lyrics that were being said uh, by this rapper. And one of the lyrics that people were like putting fire emojis next to and everything like that was whenever he had said, the devil, my op. And I heard that. I was like, the devil, my op. What does that even mean? Like, so I looked it up and found out, you know, it means this. And I thought to myself, I didn't even know that guy believed in God or, you know, Satan or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever you want to name it. But like he said, the devil, my op. And I thought to myself, isn't it funny how, quote unquote, worldly or secular artists have enough boldness to say things like the devil, my op. But yet there's so many Christians that don't acknowledge or recognize that there is opposition, that there is an enemy, and that as you follow after God, you will face opposition. I want to give you a forewarning right now. You will face opposition as you follow after Jesus Christ. In fact, I like to say it like this. Sometimes opposition is an indication that you're going in the right direction. And could it be possible the reason some people aren't facing opposition is because they're going in the same direction as the enemy? Because Jesus doesn't want to just be your Savior. He wants to be Lord of your life. And if he isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. I just came to tell you today, there is opposition that you will face in life. You need to get that through your mind, okay? The question is, who or what is our opposition? Well, the Bible tells us, and we're about to read it right now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. These tell us the three ops in one scripture that we find all throughout the Bible. So if you don't mind standing your feet today, anybody ready for the word? I'm ready to preach it to you, even those that are watching online. Hey, feel free to stand up. If you're sitting down on your couch right now, stand with us today. So excited. We're going to read it out. And these are the three ops that every Christian is going to face. And if you want to live a victorious life, you must be able to recognize them. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. The apostle Paul wrote this to the church of Ephesus. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Who knows, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus really came to make dead people alive. We were all dead in our sins at one point in our lives in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Somebody say the ways of this world. So that's the first stop. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. the devil, a.k.a. Lucifer. Somebody say the devil. The spirit who is now working those who are diso- disobedient. 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Somebody say cravings of my flesh, our sinful nature, and following its desires and what? Thoughts. Thoughts. Like the rest, you were by nature deserving of wrath. And I love this next part. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God has raised us up. Somebody say, God has raised me up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If nothing else I say today is good, this scripture is good right here. We can leave right now. We can get out of here right now, but we're not. Some of you got so excited. You're like, really? We're going to go? We're talking about the ops. Somebody say the ops. You need to realize that as a Christian, that we are constantly engaged in spiritual warfare on three fronts. We are constantly engaged in spiritual warfare, whether you realize it or not, on three fronts, which is the ways of this world, the devil, and our flesh. And each one of these require a different tactic and response to overcome. Can we pray together before we take a seat? Lord Jesus, have your way today. Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do, and that's change the heart of man, God. I thank you, Lord, for anointing these words, oh God. I pray that it would fall on fresh and good ground and soil, God, that it wouldn't fall on hardened hearts, God, that the enemy would not come and pluck it and take it away, that the things of this world would not choke it out, Lord. But I thank you, Lord, for a harvest taking place right now in Jesus' name. We have our hearts and our minds open to receive, oh God, in Jesus' Jesus name build faith God today in Jesus name and everybody said come on everybody said come on give Jesus a shout of praise before you take a seat come on turn to the person next to you and say let's get to work this morning let's get to work this morning you know one thing I love about this church I love getting to go around and introduce myself and talk to people that are new to this church and hear more about them, where they came from, where they're at. Even as I look around the room right now, there's people in here that I've known for many years that I grew up with um, that invested in some of my life. But one thing I love about our church uh, at Riverside Church is that we all come from a plethora of different upbringings and backgrounds and ethnicities and religious backgrounds or some in here, whether it was Baptist, whether it was Catholic, whether it was Pentecostal, uh, Methodist, Lutheran, or you name it. Our prayer from the beginning is that our church would be a bridge between different generations, nations, and denominations. That's what our prayer would be, be a bridge between different generations, nations, and denominations. Because the truth of the matter is we need to realize that we have a lot more in common with one another than we do not. Like, you have a lot more in common with the person in front of you or behind you or beside you than you don't. For starters, we are all human beings that have lips, hips, and fingertips. <laughs> Some people may have bigger hips than others. Other people may be missing a finger. You know, my boss told me whenever I first started working in HVAC, he told me that the number one injury uh, for HVAC workers is losing a finger. But I don't plan on losing any of these bad boys. I don't plan on transitioning to an over-ear mic, so y'all be sure to pray for me. Otherwise, I have to stand up here, like, you know. But another thing that we all have in common is that none of us know it all. None of us have 
everything completely figured out. We are all continually learning and growing and maturing in our walk with God. You know, one thing I'm trying to put into practice more personally in my life, and this is harder for me, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm trying to listen more than I speak. The Bible says to be quick to listen, but to be slow to speak. I want to understand someone before I'm ever understood by someone. I want to be a person that knows that I've never arrived, that I still have so much more to learn and grow and mature. Anybody with me? But is there, isn't it the most annoying thing when you come across someone who thinks they know it all or people call them a know-it-all? Like they will ask you, an, for a, they'll ask you a question, they want an answer from you, but whenever you respond, they say, oh, no, that's not really, it was really this. I'm like, why did you even ask me that question? And, like, there's some people that think they have it all figured out and everything like that. Like, it can be one of the most annoying things talking to a know-it-all. But here's what I've realized recently. And I've had to say this more and more throughout the years when people ask me questions. Sometimes the smartest thing that you and I can say are these three words. I don't know. Or if you're texting, I D. Okay, right? In fact, can we say that together this morning on the count of three? One, two, three. I don't know. Come on, I want all the perfectionists, all the control freaks, all the know-it-alls to say it with me right now. Okay, don't be too prideful or arrogant. Let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. I don't know. I feel like some weights were lifted off of some of y'all's shoulders this morning. Uh, and I don't know if you feel that. It can be freeing and liberating just to say those three words that when it comes to life, when it comes to the world, even when it comes to the things of God, there are some things I just do not know. There are some things that do not make sense. There's just some things that I do not understand. God knows, but I don't. Right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue knowledge or truth. Pursue knowledge. Pursue truth. But the Bible, because the Bible says that God's people perish from a lack of knowledge. But at the same time, I want you to understand that you being a human being, that you are limited in your mind when it comes to fully understanding everything. For example, for instance, even when it comes to the notion and understanding of God, many of us have a hard time wrapping our mind, wrapping our brain around how great and good our God really is. Like we know that we serve one God. Christianity is not polytheistic. We, we are monotheistic. We believe that there is one true, living, eternal, everlasting God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But I talk to new believers sometimes, and they have questions. They said, Caleb, I'm having a hard time. I know that we serve one God, but whenever I read the Bible, uh, time and time again, I, I see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I thought we had one God from, from the creation of man all the way to the baptism of Jesus Christ. Who knows that Jesus wasn't just an ordinary man, a good teacher, a good prophet. He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh, fully God and fully man. He was God incarnate. And yet when Jesus is water baptized, the Father speaks from heaven, and he says, Behold, this is my beloved Son, and whom I, whom I I'm well pleased. Then the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove. And there's new people that read that like, what is going on? Because it can be hard for our brain to cope around the fullness of who God is and how God is triune. In other words, we serve a God that is three in one. He doesn't contradict himself. 
He doesn't oppose himself. But you know what we do in our human reasoning and human logic? We begin to think of analogies and illustrations and examples to tell people so that way they can get a better grasp of God. So we say things like, you know, God's like water because water can be solid, liquid, and gas, you know. Or, or God's like an egg because an egg has an outer shell, then it has the white part, then it has a yolk in the middle. Or God's like a three-leaf clover because it's, it's you know, a three-leaf clover has three leaves, but it's still one plant. Or we say things, you know, like a man can be a father, you know, a father, husband, and son at the same time. You know, it's kind of like God, you know. I've even heard someone describe God being like a three-in-one shampoo before. And yes, obviously, some of those examples are better than others, but can I tell you something? They all miss the mark when it comes to perfectly and fully describing exactly who our God is. Because I hate to tell you, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. You, in your limited thinking, you, you, are only, you are not able to fully comprehend the fullness of a limitless God. It will hurt you when you begin to think about it a lot, about God, who nobody created him. Nobody put him into power. Nobody can take him out. He's everlasting. He doesn't contradict, contradict himself. He is one. Like it, it's like trying to fit like the ocean within a teacup. It's just not going to fit. It's, it's not going to happen. That's why the Bible says, as high as the heavens is from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's why I raise my hands and worship him and give him the praise and honor and glory that he is worthy of, because he is God, and I am not God. He is all sufficient. He's in relationship with himself. He is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is God, and above him there is no other. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm talking about your God. I'm talking about a mighty God. I'm talking about a God that has no limits. I'm talking about a God who is perfect and holy. I'm talking about a God that was God before you were ever born and took your first breath, and a God who will be God whenever we pass away from this world. I'm talking about God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of vision. I'm talking about God. And I believe us being unable to fully explain and grasp who God is when we talk to people is like worship to a degree. Have you ever had anybody ask you that question, like what we just talked about and explained a little bit, right? I believe it's worship to a degree because it just goes to show how big, incredible, vast, holy, eternal, and mighty he is. I can't even explain him with human word. You just have to experience him yourself. And our God is alive. Our God is real. Our God is active. You can go to Buddha's grave. He's still there. You go to Muhammad's grave. He's still there. But if you go to Jesus' grave, he's not there because my God is living. My God is alive. Oh, come on, somebody. Do we have people in here that know we serve a living God? We serve a true God. We serve a whole. I feel the anointing. But here's the issue, and here's the problem that I, I, I just have the bone to pick with right now, okay? I think it can be dangerous and unwise for people to think they, get, they have God all figured out. And what they will do is they will begin to neglect and dilute certain aspects and characteristics of God because of their limited thinking. Where certain circles will only talk about the person of Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished, but whenever it comes to the person and power of the Holy Spirit, they are silent. 
And don't get me wrong, there's no such thing as making too big of a deal of the name of Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 tells it like this, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. The Bible says that there is salvation and no one else, that God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's in the name of Jesus that we live. It's in the name of Jesus that we breathe. It's in the name of Jesus that I move. It's in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on, does anybody here believe in the power of the name of Jesus? I'm talking about the name above every other name. I'm talking about the king of I'm talking about the visible image of an invisible God, Jesus. Jesus. But don't forget, before Jesus ever ascended to heaven, he turned back and he told his disciples, he said, it's to my advantage that I go. For if I do not go, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In other words, I love God because God didn't want to just save us. He wanted to empower us with the same spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. Come on, somebody. You know, I wonder how many Christians are struggling. I wonder how many Christians are having a hard time in their relationship with God and their walk because they have a lopsided view of who God is and what he can do, and they put God in a box and they serve. They say, that's my God right there. He can't go past. But can I tell you something? You can't put God in a box. You can't even fully, the only person can, who can understand God fully is God himself. It's called the mystery of Christ. In the similar way that our God is three in one, let me remind you that you have three ops that are in opposition to God and to the people of God. And each one of these are related and connected to one another, but each of these are also distinctly different, which brings us back to the text from earlier and what we have listed right here. And the three are, can we say it? The ways of this world, the devil, and the flesh. We purposely didn't capitalize the devil's name. I don't know if you noticed that or not, because he isn't worthy to have his first, his name capitalized, okay? I've heard somebody say, don't even call him Lucifer. Just call him Lucy. I don't care what you call him. All I know is, oh, man, come on. But the reason we went over all that at the beginning is because I believe people find themselves in the same predicament as they do with God, because what they will do is they will only acknowledge one or two of these ops and forget about the rest. And that's why there's some people they give the devil too much credit, and they blame the devil for everything, and they say things like, the devil made me do it. Whenever they sin or do something stupid, in reality, it was due to their own lack of discipline and keeping their flesh in check. Oh, come on, I'm preaching right now. Or somebody, like the person that's like, man, this world is so jacked up. This world is so messed up. People are so evil. People are so wrong. This world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's so bad. Forgetting that the devil and his demons are on the prowl, influencing the ways, the culture, the ideologies, and the customs of this world. You know they have a saying in boxing that goes like this. I'm watching a boxing match later. I was thinking about this, okay? So they have a saying in boxing that goes like this. It's the punch you don't see coming that will knock you out. It's the, that's the worst kind of punch. It's the punch you don't see coming that will knock you out. It was the famous Harry Houdini. Anybody ever heard of Harry Houdini? I don't know if you have or not. He's like the one known for doing like impossible and escapes and stunts and all that. He would say that he could take the strongest of punches in the stomach. So he would travel over and he, people would ask him, hey, can I punch you? He said, yeah. But he would always prepare his mind and his body for the punch beforehand. He would always anticipate the punch coming until one day when he was talking to college students and before he could prepare or see the punch coming, 
the college student threw several punches. You can look this up yourself, which caused his appendix to rupture and killed him a few days later. The great Harry Houdini was taken out by a punch, a hit that he didn't see coming. I wonder how many Christians are being taken out left and right and walking away from God, all from a hit, all from an op, all from an attack that they didn't see coming. And maybe it was because the church never took the time to talk like we're talking like today and telling you an op is coming. Or maybe they were just, they had their ears closed, they didn't have their heart open, and, and, and they just, they were ignorant. And whenever the, the opposition does come, like, man, where did that come from? And maybe the church is telling them, oh, man, whenever you fall after Jesus, it's going to be sunshine and rainbows. You can prance around and jump around. And, yes, you can go through trouble and be joyful for the joy of the Lord is my shot. I understand that. But, but you, this is my assignment this morning to tell you that you have ops, that you will face opposition. And whether you're ready or not, a hit is coming. But here's the good news. You can hit them before they hit you. Oh, come on, somebody. Is there, oh, is there anybody in this building that is sick and tired of taking the hits in life and just going through life? Ugh, ugh, I can't catch a break. Everything's falling apart. Nothing's going good for me. You need to begin to fight back and say, no, devil, you are a liar. I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Come on. I have authority. Come on. You can fight back. Fight back with your worship. Fight back with your It's time for you to stop. Oh. It's time for the church to stop, not acknowledge, I think how you say, the enemy. Because the opposition is coming. Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Thank you, Jesus. All that was the introduction. Now we're about to get into the meat of the message. Now we're about to get to the center of the enchilada, the, the chicken and the beef. Oh, I'm about to eat some Mexican food after service today. <laughs> Now, what I want to do is I want to briefly go over each one of these ops and how we can respond back because we know that each one of them require a different response. So you ready this morning? I don't, have any, I don't know if we have any note takers in here. Let's go over the first one first. Let's, let's talk about the ways of this world. Can somebody say the ways of this world? Now, as you read your Bible, you need to understand that the word world or in the Greek in the New Testament, it, it's cosmos is used interchangeably to mean one of three different things. The most famous being John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know the scripture, right? That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The word world in that scripture is referring to and talking about people. But then we see the word world being used to describe the planet Earth, from the mountains to the oceans. But lastly, the word world, and which is what we're talking about today, is, is used to talk about the patterns, the, the rhythm, the system, the structure, the things in this world, the ideas, the things in this world that naturally oppose God. That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says to not be transformed. I don't know if you have it. To not be trans, uh, conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Somebody say renewing. Oh, this don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world. It's important we note this and understand this, what the Bible says these words, you know, uh, because we're reading it in English, but it was originally written in Greek, you know, and it has different meanings, even for the word love, you know what I mean? There's, there's multiple meanings for that word within Scripture, you know? There's four, but anyways, we're not going to get into all that. But the reason I wanted to say this is because I think some people think that people are the enemy. Can I remind you, people are not the real enemy. 
You need to be reminded that there's a pattern, there's a custom, there's the ways of this world that are influenced by the kingdom of darkness. That is the real enemy. This world is the devil's domain for the time being, where him, his kingdom, his demons influence a lot of beliefs, a lot of customs, and a lot, I'm just going to say too, people in this world that naturally oppose God. And that's why I'm sick of Christians saying, oh my gosh, did you hear about what happened? I'm like, people are shook and people are surprised because nowadays we, we, we're, we're so connected with what's going on in the world, on Twitter, on our news apps, we get notifications. A Christian should not freak out whenever wicked and vile things take place here on this earth because bad things will happen. We live in a broken and we live in a fallen world full of death, full of destruction, full of sick. I'm not just a doom and gloom preacher, I understand. But God has established and put the church here to be the light, the salt and light of the world, to take back ground from the enemy, to be the person, man, that, that oh, I'm telling you right now, that, that, and that's why we shouldn't be surprised so much whenever we look at the world and we see God getting pushed out more and more and people call evil things good and, and, and good things evil and we see all that's transpiring and taking place and we shouldn't freak out, you know, because all this was brought on from our own sin at the beginning and the devil has more authority in this world than you realize, but, but God has the ultimate authority. See, and here's the thing, none of us are exempt from the troubles and tribulations that we will experience in life. Yeah. Trouble will come, even from other people. Jesus said, hey, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. That's what he told his disciples. But I love John chapter 16, verse 33, because it says this. He says, I have told you this, these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, I came to remind you today that no, I don't care what problem, what difficulty, what opponent, what circumstance may be going on in this world. Jesus has already overcome the world. Oh, come on, somebody. And because Jesus overcame it, I can overcome it. Come on. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers through Christ Jesus. We need to have a stance and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the what? The world. So as you look around this world, anticipate for there to be opposition and don't be so surprised whenever laws and legislation and things pass that come against the word of God and different things that happen no you can be an example you can be an ambassador of Jesus Christ you are in this world but you are not of this world we are just pilgrims passing through and whenever the world begins to glorify money, possessions, fame, and sex, and all these different things, we don't conform to that. We have, our, we, have a, we have faith eyes where we focus on God. We focus on eternity. We focus on what God has. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now. The ways of this world, it's op in opposition to God. we got to realize that. It's not always going to be popular to follow after Jesus. You're not always going to, you weren't created to fit in. You were created to stand out. Stop trying to please everybody. Stop saying yes to everything because you don't want people to look at you differently. They already know you're different because you believe in Jesus. You might as well represent God will everywhere you go. Just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that you have to do it. We think that teenagers deal with peer pressure. No, adults deal with peer pressure too. 
You can deal with peer pressure at work because all the guys are talking nasty and talking dirty, but then, you know, you know what I mean? And, and maybe at times you want to laugh at certain things, but you know what I'm saying? And they, they want to, and you will say, okay, maybe I should do this or say that or whatever. No, you don't have to conform. You can constantly be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I got to move on. Is it making sense to anybody so far? Let's go to the next one. You ready? The devil. Somebody say the devil. Now, as I mentioned previously, I think there's some people that give the devil way too much credit. And I think, you know, sometimes he's like, you know, like certain people, they, they, they drive their car, they hit, a, they hit a nail in the tire, and they're like, man, the devil's just after me today. And I feel like the devil's like, I didn't do that. It's not like Satan said, okay, I have a special assignment for you, little devil. I want you to take this nail. I want you to put it right there in the drive. So as soon as they, they're going to help. That's, you know what that is? That's called first world problems. Go to discount tire. I encourage you to get a warranty for your tires because it can help save you money. So that way whenever you get a flat tire or something happens, you can get it fixed. Stop blaming the devil. for. Christians got to stop being like Mama Boucher. Come on, you know you've seen Waterboy. You ain't that saved. Come on, or holy. You remember that? She was saying she called everything the devil. Oh, my gosh. Like, she's the devil. Like, school's the Foosball is. But can I tell you, not everything is the devil. And on the other hand, realize that there's some people that don't give the devil a thought or acknowledge his existence. And that's just as dangerous of a perspective to have. We can't overhype Satan, but we can't ignore him either. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, it says this, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. We're not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes, of his strategies, and what he's... Held. Satan is real. And can I tell you something? Satan is more clever than you realize. He's not just some stupid person. He is stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, he can be clever, but that's why you see it in the Bible, in the Garden of Eden, and the serpent, how he would manipulate and twist what God said, even whenever Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, right? Satan would begin to twist, but you can't argue the written word with the living word of God, because Jesus responded back by the true and, in, and intended meaning of the scripture and the text. And that's why sometimes when you don't know what to say or do, whenever you feel oppression or attack from the enemy, sometimes you just got to get a catalog. You have to have an arsenal of the scripture and the word of God for whenever you feel fear. You need to say, God is not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power, love. You need to begin to get scripture, memorize the weapons of our warfare and that carnal, the mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, let me tell you this too. We know God's kingdom is full of messenger, warrior, and guardian angels, but Satan has his own little kingdom too. Little imps, demons, and principalities too. Remember in Daniel, I think it was Daniel chapter 10, where, where, where Daniel gets a vision from God and he foresees trouble and things that are taking place and he wants to have a revelation, understanding of these dreams and things that he heard from God and he begins to pray. And he prays for the first day, he prays for 21 days, prayer and fasting for 21 days. Then as he's praying and fasting, pressing in, all of a sudden the angel Gabriel appears to him. I think there's only two angels like actually named um, within, the, within the Bible, uh, Gabriel and Michael. And, and Gabriel comes to him and he said, we heard you on the first day. But we had to fight the prince of Persia, the principality, the, the evil spirit that was over that region. And it got so intense that we had to bring in Michael to come in and fight. But we made it. 
You can Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, I feel like, in other words, there is a spiritual war taking place in the heavenly realm and you don't, above your head, and you don't even realize it. And that's why we shouldn't give up on praying and fasting and things so easily. Some of us, we feel opposition from the enemy, and we give up so quickly. But can I tell you something? Persistence will always beat resistance. Keep pressing in. Keep praying. Keep seeking after God. I want to go deeper in this. I don't know if I can. Okay, I want to go a little deeper. Whenever God created and established the heavens and the earth, every day he said it was good. He, he spoke light into it is good. Mountains and, and the moons and the stars and everything. It is good. Whenever he created man, it is very good. But I believe it was on the second day when he created the atmosphere. Remember, Satan is the prince of the air. You can look it up right now in the King James Version. After God created it, the sky, he said, it is so. It is good, it is so. Because right now, it's not always good in the heavenly, heavenly realm. There, there's war fair taking place, and you don't even realize it at times. There is a devil, there is an adversary, and the one thing he wants you to do is to forget about him and neglect him. Because I cannot tell you something, the Bible says that we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. Oh, come on. I, I just came to tell you today, and that's why you need to guard your mind and guard your heart and ask God for the discerning of spirits to discern what is what. Because sometimes I'm t we, allow, we allow gateways in, and enemy, the enemy builds a stronghold in our mind. He builds a stronghold in our family, and, and we, we, we don't even realize it at times. And I believe that there is such thing as, as spirits of fear, spirits of depression, spirits of suicide, as, as the spirits of infirmity. There are different spirits. That, and I understand sometimes it's physical, but sometimes it can be supernatural. And that's all we got to pray. That's all we got to press in. That's all we got to fast. That's why we have to, oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, God can break it. God can break it. Remember Jesus, you know, like the devil came to do three things. He came to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But the scripture says, if you keep on reading it, Jesus, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Oh, come on. Jesus was always counterattacking or counteracting what the enemy did. That's why the Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. <laughs> and that's why when you look at the life of Jesus, a big part of his ministry was deliverance. He casted demons out of so many people, and he would even anoint his disciples, and he gave them authority to cast demons out of people and to heal the sick and do all those different things. I can I tell you something right now? And me and Pastor Bobby were talking about this earlier. It's good to have, you know, good worship. It's good to have good preaching and teaching. But like the apostle said, we can do all these things, but signs don't follow what we're doing. Don't believe a word. that We have to be a house of deliverance where people come in that are bound up by the spirit of lust, spirit of depression, spirit of whatever it may be, and chains are broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the name of, come on, we should be the type of church Church, for whenever we gather, hell gets nervous. Devils begin to flee. Hell, Satan trembles. Why? Because when the people of God gather together, there's no telling what can take place and what can happen. Oh, come on, somebody. Can you go ahead and give God a shout of praise right now? It's deliver. I want you to get this. 
It's deliverance that kicks the devil out, but it's discipleship that keeps the devil out. That's why we are so intentional with discipleship on building strong individuals and strong families. Deliverance, Jesus said, go into all nations and make disciples. Oh, let me, let me end it off with this. You need to realize that Satan, he's already a defeated foe. We do not fight for victory as Christians. We fight from victory. You know, the Bible even says that if the enemy knew who Jesus Christ was, he would have had him crucified. He wouldn't have had him crucified. But God is always several steps ahead of the enemy. And whatever the devil meant for evil over the life of Jesus and over your life, God can turn around and use it for good because the devil plays checkers, but our God plays chess. Oh, come on. I got to end it right there. Oh, there's so much more that could be said on this topic. And the devil, he's limited. He's, he's finite. God can be everywhere at all times. Satan can't. He can only be at one place at one time. So I don't think you're going to face Satan face to You are going to face his henchmen, but don't worry about those things. You have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Your words carry weight. You can use the sword of the Spirit. Oh, come on. We got to go to the next one. Anybody ready for the next one? Next one. Let's talk about the last one. It's the op. Somebody say the op. I mean, the op, sorry. The last stop is the flesh. Say the flesh. Now, this is the one op, I believe, talking about the flesh. I believe that this is the one op that people are struggling with the most and is the greatest hindrance to the believer. The one op which people are struggling with the most and the greatest hindrance to the believer. The flesh is another word for our carnality or sin nature. You need to realize we all carry a sin nature inside of us from conception that naturally desires to do sinful things. And who knows, if you keep on giving into your flesh and your sinful nature, it can wreak havoc in your life. And that's why there's Christians that confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they have lived for God for so many years, but they're stuck in the same cycle and routine because they're tripping up in their flesh time and time and time again. I like to say it like this. My greatest enemy is my inner me. Can somebody say that with me? Somebody say, my greatest enemy is my inner me. It's the person you wake up to and look at in the mirror each and every morning. That's your greatest opponent. That's your greatest op. That's your greatest, the sinful nature that we carry. You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, the, Apostle Paul the, great, the, the great Apostle Paul, even admitted to, to wrestling and fighting his flesh at times. He said there were times where he knew what to do that was right, but because of his sinful nature, he continued to do, he did wrong. But here's the good news. We have a choice. Get this, because we're about to get into Scripture right now. You have a choice every day to either follow after the cravings of your flesh or the leading of the Holy Spirit. Go. You want, get, you want scripture for it? I'll give you scripture for it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17. The Apostle Paul writes, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against. Somebody say against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And there's our word. For these, for these are opposed. Somebody say opposed to each other, to keep you doing the things you want to do. I came to tell you right now that God knows what's best for you, and you can live a life where you are led by the Spirit of God.
How do I do that, Caleb? By starving out the flesh and by feeding the spirit. Because whatever you feed thrives, but whatever you starve dies. How do we feed the spirit? Prayer, fasting, devotion, discipline, worship, getting into the word. Feed your spirit. See, some of us, we follow after the cravings of our flesh. We don't even put up a fight. We have a feeling. We have a tendency. We have a desire. We don't even give it a second thought. We just go right towards it. See, and some of you may be saying, Caleb, but you don't understand the temptations I'm facing. You don't understand this flesh and what I'm feeling. I don't, but Jesus does. For he's our great high priest who faced every temptation the temptations, but yet he was without sin. The Bible says that, when, that God has prepared a way of escape for us for every temptation that we're going to face. In, in other words, there is no temptation beyond what you can bear, even in your thought life right now. Because remember we, re- we said thought earlier, right? This is making sense to y'all right now. I hope this isn't too much for y'all. But, but thoughts, remember it said thoughts, desires, and thoughts. Some of us, we are entertaining all the wrong thoughts and desires. And I understand you can't keep certain thoughts from coming in your head, but you, you do have the authority and you do have the dis- discipline, I believe, to kick those thoughts out and replace it with something different. It's been said like this. You can't keep a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. And some of us are caught in the same cycles and routines, and we have lacked this discipline to keep our flesh in check. And, we for, and some of us don't even acknowledge that we have opposition within our. And, and that's why Jesus told the disciples, too. Remember whenever he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross? And Jesus was praying so hard that, like, drops of blood were sweating from his body and his face. And that's actual medical phenomenon that's been recorded over years. But Jesus, as he's in intense prayer, he goes and checks on his disciples. And guess what? they're doing sleeping and he tells them multiple times like but I love what Jesus says he says this he said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak you're gonna find yourself I'm just gonna be honest with you you're gonna find yourself in times where your flesh wants to go this direction but the spirit of God wants to go this direction and many of us are living frustrated and confused because we don't know which direction to go for some of you it was I'm too tired to go to church today. I don't feel like going. But thank God, God has given you a spouse or a partner, you know, to be with. That said, no, we're going to church. What was that? The flesh was saying no, but the spirit of God, I believe many times. Come on, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. Come on, do not forsake the gathering. You're going to face times where the flesh wants to go this way, but the spirit of God wants to go that way. And understand, we're going to fail. We're going to fall short. We're going to make mistakes. But don't stay down. Get back up. Start off each and every single day saying, God, lead me. God, direct me. Come on, sit in moments of solitude solitude and silence and ask God, God, I want you to lead me today. Help me love people. Help me make the right decisions. God, I want to follow after you. When's the last time we did that? Some of us have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Haley, you can come on up. Has anyone been blessed by this morning's message so far? I hope so. We're coming to a close, and this is a lot of good, rich stuff, y'all. Um, we're coming to a close, but I want to do something. I hope that you remember an illustration. Uh, Pastor CJ or whoever is able to, I can get it. You're good. Bring up the illustration quick. Perfect. Thank y'all so much. Awesome. You know, so I was, as I was thinking about, yeah, you can put it right here. Perfect, perfect. Sweet. Y'all don't know what's about to happen up in here. <laughs> so um, as I was thinking about this message, 
this series, this word ops. One day while I was at work, I logged into our back office that we have where you're able to see stats and the schedule and everything that's going on at work that day or that week or whatever. And one of the categories that I saw on there had this exact word. Go ahead and put it up there real quick. The ops had this, the ops. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. Like, I'm literally, like, that's such a random word. Like, and I, I, I asked my boss, I said, what does ops mean? And he responded back by saying, oh, ops, that, that's short for opportunities. And right when I heard that, I said, oh, I got to preach that. Because what if all the opposition, all the ops that you're facing, you're saying, God, this is too big. God, this is hard. God, this is tough. In my flesh, what I'm facing in the world, the, the attack that I feel from the God, this is too much. And I felt like God wanted me to tell you today that opposition is nothing more than, than an opportunity for God to develop you and grow you and mature you and raise you up so that whenever people look over your life, they can say, God's the one who did that. God's the one who got the glory out of all that. That opposition is nothing more than an opportunity. In other words, you were created for opposition. God foresaw and foreknew what you're experiencing right now before you even stepped into it. Whether it was somebody else's mess or whether it was your own mess, God saw it. But you were created for opposition. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but it's the violent that take it by force. I got this kite right here. You know what I found out whenever I looked up what a kite was designed and purposed to do? A kite was designed to go against the opposition and resistance of the wind. And the more opposition that it faces, the faster and higher an elevation that it will go. This, can I say to you, this kite is a lot like you. You were created for opposition. That opposition is nothing more than opportunity. Remember when we were at earlier in Ephesians chapter 2? At the end, what did it say? And I hope this works out right. It worked perfect first service. I hope it works out good this service. Oops, they got tangled up possibly. Oops, let me untangle this real quick. Anybody remember what we read at the end where it said, remember it said, God has raised us up and we are, so, oh my goodness. Whew. Can somebody help me get this real quick, untangle it? Chris, would you mind helping me, bro? Perfect. Let me go ahead and just talk while I do that. I can't do it with one hand right here. Thank you, Alicia. You're awesome. Put your hands together for Alicia. Man, we should have checked that out before. Hey, but it's all good, y'all. Hey, Alicia, you're quick, girl. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. There you go. Oh, this way. All right. Let's keep on flowing. Okay. So the scripture says that God has raised, at the very end, whenever it talks about the opposition, it says God has raised us up and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. So whenever that opposition comes in your life, it's nothing more than an opportunity for God to raise you. Oh, come on, somebody right now. The Bible says that those who wait 
upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles and soar. Oh, come on, somebody. The Bible says that whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, oh, I feel God's presence. When the enemy comes in like a flood, that God will raise a standard over the enemy. Come on. I came to preach to somebody this morning, and I came to tell somebody this morning Maybe you're facing opposition in the world, at work, with friends, with coworkers, with families. Maybe people are criticizing you, persecuting you, making fun of you because you're a belief in Jesus Christ and your relationship with God. Oh, come on, I came to tell you, keep moving forward. God will lift you up. Oh, I came to tell somebody that's feeling opposition from the enemy and you feel a spiritual attack coming against you and your family. I want to encourage you. You were created for this. Keep moving forward. Oh, I came to tell oh, I came to tell someone that keeps making mistakes and you keep falling short and you keep failing. Keep moving forward. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can stand to your feet this morning. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If anybody faced opposition, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down to the false god and the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set. And they were facing life and death. They were facing the fiery furnace, a fire that was so hot, I want to put it in perspective, seven times hotter, where the soldiers that were casting them into the furnace they weren't even thrown in there, but they were just eradicated and vaporized and taken out because the fire was that hot. And can you imagine them looking into the opposition, talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, who had hit their life in his hands, and they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, you can throw us in that fire because we believe that our God is able to rescue us and deliver us. But hey, stop right there. Listen, listen. Oh, but he, they said, even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't, we will not bow down and worship your false God. That's what I call resilience. That's what I call, see, there's too many what-if Christians. There's too many what-if Christians that are going in the wrong direction, that are going, oh, come on, somebody, that are going in the flow of wherever the wind's going because they say, what if they don't like me? What if it's not cool? What if it's not popular? Or they're staying still because they feel opposition from the enemy. They're like, well, I guess I might as well just sit right here and do no No, no. See, what if is fear speaking? Even if is faith speaking. You need to say, even if I face this attack, even if I'm by myself, even though my friends may leave me, even though I may fail or fall short, I'm not going to keep pressing forward. No, God's going to be the one to raise me up. God's going to be the one to take me because I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Come on. I am more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer through Christ Jesus. This opposition is nothing more than an opportunity. The higher the enemy hits me, the higher that God will take me, the greater the greater the attack, the greater the anointing, the greater the conflict, the greater the calling. Oh, come on. Is there any people in this building that know that God is able? Oh, come on right now. Let's worship him. Let's worship him right now. Come on, sing it out. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and for Come on, right now. You don't even realize that, but you're pressing against the opposition with your 
pressing against the opposition with your words. You're pressing against the opposition with your praise. Come on, keep pressing in. This is the glory. already won it all. You've conquered death, the hell, the grave. God, you, you've won it all. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory, Jesus. See, some of you are making the devil frustrated right now with your worship and your words. The devil's come against you and your family, and he's probably saying to himself right now, hey, if you can see those little demons right now that have been coming against your family, they're saying, we've done everything. We've come against them, but they still go to church. They still worship. Come on, and Satan's telling them, come on, you need to hit them harder. But they said, no, every time we hit them harder, the higher and the more that it seems like God begins to bless them. You can't curse what God has blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Right now in this moment, maybe you've never made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior. You've never taken that first step. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. So right now in your own way, maybe you feel like you've fallen off, you've gone off track. Right now is the moment where you get real with God, you repent, you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that he died and that he rose, that he loves you so much. Right now in your own way, just say, God, forgive me. God, I love you. Jesus, you were real. Jesus, I believe that you were Lord. Come on, continue to do that as we pray. I want to pray over every person in here. I'm going to pray specifically that God will give you a resilience and a persistence and a consistency to keep pressing. Isn't it funny that Paul described his life at the end of his life? He said, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. Keep pressing forward. Keep throwing punches. God is not done with you yet. Right now, in Jesus' name, I pray over every person underneath the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, right now, we ask for your angels to be dispatched right now over every home, over every husband, over every wife, Lord. By your spirit, God, touch them, God. Move in their hearts, God. Right now, we speak against the opposition that we may be facing. We know, God, that it is nothing more than an opportunity, God, for you to show off. So right now, in Jesus' name, I ask for strength. I ask for renewing. I ask for refreshing in the heart of every man, every woman, every wife. God, God, right now, God, of every teenager, right now, in Jesus' name, the opposition's coming, God. But you've won it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank God for listening, Pastor CJ.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.